Hello, I'm Nicole Clark, speech-language pathologist and vice president of compliance education for Health for Heritage. You're listening to the Compliance Connection podcast, your connection to information and strategies that will help you, the clinician, keep up with industry guidelines and requirements. The word compliance often comes with some level of anxiety. We're here to ease that anxiety by providing you with information about all aspects of your clinical practice that will help you provide the best possible service to your patients. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone, and thanks for joining part four of our summer series for home and community-based services. On the previous podcast, Tara walked us through optimizing caregiver interactions in the home, and today we're going to go over talking about uh, setting your patient up for success. My name is Patrick Thibodeau, and I'm a physical therapist and director of operations in Florida with HealthPro Heritage at Home. So as mentioned in this podcast, we will be tackling the topic of setting your patient up for success. I will be going over a few topics today on how to do that, along with how, how to uh, discuss some key points when remembering safety is the ultimate goal when we are in there for services. As we begin, let's discuss what does it take to set your patient up for success? Remember, safety is the goal. What is functional for this patient? What is the next level of care? Those are some of the topics that we will be going over today. When we look at safety being the goal, we have to first assess the patient's fall risk. We have to figure out how we as clinicians can reduce the patient's risk for falls in the home. We need to assess the patient's cognitive level for carryover, for one, uh, when we educate the patients on different items to help reduce their risk for falls. This is important because if we educate on treatment one and the patient has poor carryover, and then we go in for treatment two to check that, we may actually see a discrepancy there or have to utilize more time in treatment too, which is not setting the patient up for success and using our time wisely. We may have to utilize other techniques like writing this out or for the patients or setting reminders for them. To take this a step further with safety and fall risk assessment, clinicians need to make sure to remove all risks when possible. For example, suggest removing clutter, throw rugs, providing adequate lighting to low-lit areas, such as hallways, bedrooms, bathrooms. Maybe we could even reposition furniture to allow for wider pathways for assistive devices to fit, uh, which will again reduce their risk for fall. When thinking about fall risk and safety, please remember to always include the appropriate family members and caregivers as well. This should also be established on day one. Perhaps a patient has a caregiver that comes in three days a week for four hours. It would be beneficial when scheduling to schedule your therapy session when that caregiver is present so they can continue to educate the the patient when you are not present. Same goes for family members as well. Another way to reduce fall risk and improve safety is making sure all assistive devices are fit properly. I think this is an area that we may overlook at times because we as clinicians want to reduce environmental factors, but proper assistive device fitting is very, very important as we know. In addition to this, we should also think about the proper sequencing of using assistive devices as well. For example, when using a rollator or four-wheeled walker, the patient should lock the the brakes prior to sitting. That brings up another safety risk. 
do the brakes even work on the rollator or four-wheeled walker? This is exactly the approach we need to have when providing our services when we know that safety is the goal. Now we're gonna transition into what is functional for this patient or how do we assess prior level of function? If you recall, in the beginning of the year, there were two episodes released on our Compliance Connection podcast series. One episode, episode 94, released in February, focused on Medicare guidelines of identifying the prior level of function, how to implement best practices, and how we can obtain accurate information from patients, caregivers, and family members. A couple weeks later, they released episode 95, and this focuses more on establishing patient-centered functional home care goals. There were two patient scenarios that were talked about, which on the surface sound almost identical, but with a comprehensive approach, including assessment, interview, and realistic goal setting, these two individuals had very different needs and safe uh, to be safe and functional in their homes. If you haven't had a chance to listen to those podcasts, I highly recommend it. So what is functional for this patient? I think that everyone that has been in home care or therapy in general know that we, can, we can't always take the, the patient's word for it when talking about what is functional or what was their prior level of function. Clinicians need to dig deep to find the last time they actually walked. Um, we always see uh, patients saying that their goal is to walk. And we have those patients that want to walk without assistive devices, but maybe the last time they walked with an assistive device was three years ago, but now they're wanting to walk without one. So where do we go from here? We don't necessarily want to shut them down and say this is not realistic, but let them know rather that we need to work more on building up lower body strength, safety with transfers, and maybe even working more on static standing prior to getting them to walking because we have to stand before we walk, right? Trying to put that in perspective with the patient is going to be very beneficial day one. I realize that all clinicians have their own take on this and their own wording, but we just have to be mindful that we have to keep the patient engaged and we need to remain optimistic. Observing the home setup is also very important. As we all know, look for indications that, we, uh, that they actually use an assistive device or indication they may benefit from one. I think we've all seen a rollator walker or four-wheeled walker collecting dust in the corner of a room or on the patio. Um, so maybe, or, or maybe even they uh, currently use that assistive device, or, but they're denying it. Maybe they say they don't need one, but you actually see them during your assessment, their furniture surfing. These are all very important, um, you know, when remembering that safety is the goal. For those of you who don't know what furniture surfing is, it's when a patient walks without an assistive device, but uses their hands to maintain their balance when they're walking, let's say, from the bathroom to the bedroom, um, and they may be using objects like chairs, couches, cabinets, things like that. So just like we talked about um, talking to family or caregivers and including them during treatments um, for those who have poor carryover, I think it would be wise uh, to get some input from these caregivers and family members to get an accurate prior level of function and to know what is functional for the patient. Another thing I always say is why reinvent the wheel? We have many patients that we have had on prior services before or the agency that we're partnering with has had uh, this patient on before. So one thing we can do is look into this and see if there are previous notes on this patient. This is a great place to start and see how the patient responded to therapy back then. 
What was their assistance levels then versus now? It's amazing to see this, and I think we've all been in this situation before, but we have this information or potentially could have this information at our fingertips. Okay, so now that we have all of this information gathered, what is the next level of care? There are many things to think about here. Perhaps the patient is going to outpatient next and are only under home care services for the next two weeks, or maybe they're a patient who will be on for an extended period of time. How do we set these patients up for success? First, we have to still focus on the patient's goals, as we mentioned. What does this patient ultimately want to achieve? Is it something that we can or can be achieved through home health services, or would they need to um, have more therapy following home health services? Does the patient drive? Do they have support to continue with a home exercise program once home health services are discharged? Those are some other uh, questions that you need to have answered. Also, how much support does a patient really have? I know that does a patient drive? Do they have other support that could help them with driving or bring them to places? These are all very important topics when looking at what is next uh, or what the next level of care is for the patient. What type of community-based services do they have in their areas if they do not want to go to outpatient services, let's say? So those are also uh, another thing to look at as well. Perhaps we can even get an MSW on the case, a social worker, if the patient does not have a support system um, and they need that additional community support or community-based services. So a social worker could be another um, discipline to get involved. Again, we can involve the family so they can support the patient when trying to achieve their goals. But we also wanna make it fun. If a patient's having fun and we're making it interesting, it's more likely to stick and become part of their daily routine. So that's another way to incorporate or um, make it successful for the patient is making it fun. What other options are there other than home health services? That's also another thing to always think about. So like I mentioned, there are outpatient clinics, adult daycare centers, aquatic therapy, hospice care, um, getting a private aid to assist with household tasks or chores, you know, private pay, or to assist with, you know, helping you out with your home exercise program. So Lots of, lots of things to think about. I know that we covered quite a bit of information today when it comes to those things. But remember, as mentioned at the beginning, there are previous podcasts that go over some of these items we addressed today. And I, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're all in this together. You have your um, team leads or other therapy um, coordinators or team members to look out to and reach out to if you have any questions. Um, I want to thank you all for joining us today for this podcast on setting your patient up for success. We hope that this podcast improved your knowledge regarding safety, reducing fall risks, identifying what is functional for a patient and what is next for the patient. Ultimately, we hope that you can take these tips and apply them immediately into the field to improve quality, efficient care delivery and help our patients achieve, achieve optimal functional home outcomes in the home. Stay tuned to the next podcast where Andrew goes over how to set yourself up for success and walks us through st strategic scheduling and setting yourself up for a successful day and week on the road. Thank you all again so much.